Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. I want to rewind the clock 29 days. 29 days ago, my family and I were sitting at the airport in Port Vila, Vanuatu. We just had a fantastic week of just being together, having a holiday, having a break as much as you can with five kids in tow. And there was something strange that happened. It took a little while for us to get through immigration, which in Vanuatu is not abnormal. We used to live there, so we know that. So they called boarding, which was sort of on time. So we jumped on the plane and uh, the plane was pretty empty. We thought, oh, it's a pretty empty flight. Said something to the flight attendant. She said, oh, no, it's very full. And so we kind of looked down the aisles and went, no, it's not very full. Anyway, let me fast forward two hours. We're still sitting on the plane on the tarmac at uh, Port Vila Airport, waiting to take off because there'd been some issues with uh, immigration, and so we were delayed. And what that actually meant, if you were here a little while ago, you would have heard this, but it actually meant our delayed flight meant that we missed our connection in Brisbane. So we're flying through Brisbane back to Sydney. We missed that connection and had an unexpected stay in Brisbane for the night. So we got all that sorted out. The airline said, yeah, we'll get you to a hotel. You got $30 each to spend on food, but you have to spend it at the restaurant at the hotel. That was the stipulation. So we get to the hotel at 10 o'clock. The restaurant, the ordering time closes at 10 o'clock. So we actually got to our room at something like 9.53. You've got to scan a QR code and you've got to order. So I went through all that and thought, just got through 10 o'clock, fantastic. Our food will arrive soon. Then I got a text message. Expected arrival time for your food, 11.55 p.m two hours after I had ordered the food. And by this time, I've got five kids that haven't eaten for a while. And if my kids don't seem to eat every hour, the world's going to end. And so they're like, oh, we're so hungry. When are we going to have something to eat? And I'm like, well, we're waiting, you know, we've just got to wait for the food to arrive. And every time we heard the remotest noise outside the door, we had two rooms next to each other. Anytime we heard the remotest noise, like either Jackie in the room that she was with or the room that I was in um, with the other kids, we'd open our door and we'd go, oh, is that the food? Maybe it's arrived early. Didn't arrive early. Didn't even arrive at 11.55 p.m. It arrived about 10 past 12 in the morning. And so I asked God, because I, you know, I believe everything that we go through in life, there's a purpose, that God has a meaning in it. There's something that we need to gather from that. And so I, I was having these conversations post this event, you know, when it occurred. And I said, so Lord, what, what's the purpose? What was the reason that we went through that? Why did, you know, us as a family, you know, have to kind of go through, um, go through, this thing that we'd actually gone through. And here's what he said to me. He said, I don't want you to snack with me. I want you to dine with me. I want you to tell my people I don't want them snacking with me. I want them to sit down and I want them 
to dine with me. That is the purpose. And so what I want to do today is I want to share uh, the first of a two-part message. Um, it's called Make Room at the Table. And my hope is that it's an encouragement for you if you're here in the room, if you're joining us online. It's an encouragement for you that no matter how full your schedule, no matter how long your to-do list, no matter how delayed your flight, no matter how tired you are, that you would go from a place of snacking with Jesus to actually dining with him. Okay, snacking with Jesus, dining with him. So some time ago at our house, we used to have this round dining table. We didn't have many kids at the time because it only seated four people. One of the great things was it was one of those extendable tables. So we could actually just pull the two semicircles apart, put this rectangular section in the middle, and four seats became six. And we could make room at the table for extra people if they came to visit. Now that we have eight in our family, when we bought our current dining table, we went eight seats is just not enough if someone comes to visit. So we made sure we bought a bigger dining table. It's not one of those extendable ones, but it got me actually thinking about that extendable table and making room at the table. So I've got 11 words that I'm basing my message on this morning. It's from Psalm 23, it's verse five. If you've got your Bibles, you wanna turn there now, then um, you can do that. It's a verse that speaks a lot in metaphors. And so I'm gonna be speaking a lot in metaphors today. Um, and I hope that um, you can grab hold of that, that the Holy Spirit can translate that into language that will speak to you. Because this is not about a physical table even though Psalm 23 very much can be read as a verse about hospitality, and I believe that there is some truth to that, I'm not speaking on that today. But here's something that I just want to lay a foundation. We can't ask Jesus to our table if there is no space at the table. If we have six seats in this metaphor, and there are six people in our family, there's no space at the table for Jesus to come and dine with you. So you have to make space you have to be deliberate about creating space. And one of the things about the team in Vanuatu that I loved, um, I shared last week as we prayed for the team, that unexpectedly, unknown to Jackie as she leads this team, the Thursday was a public holiday. It was Constitution Day. And, you know, so we were having some discussions and she was like, oh, I just feel like this is a wasted day. And guess what? That Thursday where nothing was planned, where space was created, it was one of the most fruitful days that they have had so far on that trip because they created space and the Holy Spirit could fill the space with the plans that he had for that team. And the same is very much true for you and for me. I've shared before, if you're visiting, if you haven't been here for very long, I'm a numbers person. I'm not great with words, but I love my numbers. So this is an alert for you. It's a numbers alert. I'm going to throw some numbers out at you. 168. That is the number of hours that you have in a week. That is the number of hours that I have in a week. If we're working, and I know some aren't, but if we're working, let's allocate 40 hours a week to working. And then we want to think about sleep. We want to make sure we're getting eight hours of sleep a night. So that's 56 hours of sleep. Now I'll do the maths for you so you don't have to because I've probably lost you already. That leaves 72 hours. Every single week you have 72 hours more if you're retired, 72 hours of time to decide what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with the 72 hours that I have or extra? Are you using that time 
to create space at the table? Are you using that time to further your relationship with Jesus? Are you going beyond just a snacking relationship, I'll unpack that in a minute, into a dining relationship with him? But I want to say this, creating space comes at a cost. It definitely comes at a cost. You won't be able to do some things. Some of those things will be good things. But my question is, are they God things? Are you prioritising things in life or are you prioritising Jesus as Lord? And that's a lot of what the heart of today's message comes down to. And I love Jesus as our example. We always, we celebrate Jesus. We look to him as our examples because numerous times through scripture, we actually see him model what he is requiring of you and what he is requiring of me. Because time and time and time again, right throughout scripture, he actually takes the time out of what was a very, very busy schedule. He takes the time to sit and to dine. He doesn't snack with his disciples. He actually sits down and he um, dines with them. So I want to show you just a couple of examples of that. From Mark 14, verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. Take note of that word, reclining. It's a word that is repeated again and again. Next verse for you, Matthew 9, 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. Another one for you, John 12, 12. Here a dinner was given in the honour of Jesus. Martha served while Lazarus was amongst those reclining at the table with him. And there are many other verses this word reclining is actually used. It's repeated again and again and again. It doesn't speak of grabbing a quick snack and then continuing with your day. It's not like Jesus is there with Martha and Lazarus. He says, hey guys, can you wrap that up for me? I'm going to get it as a takeaway because I've got other things that I need to do. That's not what that word speaks of. That word reclining is actually from the Greek words. Any Greek speakers amongst us today? Good, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make a mess of this. Anakimahai is, I believe, the phonetic pronunciation of it. I know it doesn't look like that, but here's what it means. It means to recline. It means to sit down at a meal. In Strong's Concordance, it actually uses this phrase. You'll see it on the screen. It uses this phrase, as a corpse. Now, I don't know about you, but I've actually spent some time working in the funeral industry some time ago. I worked in there for 18 months, and I dealt with a lot of corpses. Corpses don't go anywhere. They do a lot of reclining, like that's their final position. Maybe that's not the best way to describe that, and I do apologise if that was offensive, but the idea is that they're not moving. They are staying in one place, and that's why it also says like at a meal. And this is the heart of God for you and for me. He doesn't want us, all jokes aside, he doesn't want us to be snacking. He wants us to be at the table and reclining with him to be sitting there, to be having a meal. And this uh, Greek word paints a great picture of the importance of making room at the table. The importance of making room at the table. Sitting down and dining rather than snacking. And I want to head to Mark 14, 18. It's the night before Passover. Jesus is with the 12 disciples. And we read this. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Understand the context. 
This is the night before Jesus is to be arrested and ultimately killed, ultimately crucified on the cross. Most people, if you tell them they have limited time, they're creating a bucket list. They're going, these are all the things that I want to do. I want to get through all of this before my time on this earth ends. Think about you and your situation, and please know that I'm not speaking over this as all over this over you at all. This is merely a theoretical example. But think about if you knew tomorrow was the time when you would return to, well, you would return to be with Jesus. What would your thoughts be about what you would do today? Would your thought be? I'm going to go and hang out with some mates and I'm going to recline at the table and we're going to spend hours and hours together and just enjoy each other's company. Because that's exactly what Jesus does. He doesn't go, well, here's my bucket list. I've still got to go to this town and reach those people. I've got so many healings that still need to be done. All those captives over there, I need to set them free. He doesn't do any of that. He reclines at the table with the disciples and he has a meal with them. And so I wonder for you and for me in the busyness of life and all that goes on around us, can we be like Jesus and recline at the table regardless of what is going on around us, regardless of how busy our schedule is? And so in Psalm 23.5, we see a very multi-layered verse And so I'm just going to dig into one of those. But let me read it for you as we begin. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Very well-known verse from a very well-known psalm. And as I said, you can read that and you can say, well, this is just um, a picture of hospitality, how we as the church should be hospitable to those around us. And there is truth to that. You can read a verse like that and go, well, this is just a verse about God's provision and how God provides for us. And absolutely he does 100%. I've experienced it. I'm sure that you have as well. I'm not saying that's not the case. It is a powerful reminder about how God cares for his children, how he meets our basic needs, how he blesses us abundantly and how he overflows his goodness in your life and mine. It is all of that and it is so much more. My heart is to try and see what is the Father's heart in this verse for you and for me. What is his heart when it comes to Psalm 23, verse 5? Yes, it's to provide for us. Yes, it's to meet our needs. But I don't know that that's the main desire that he has for you and for me. Because I think as we unpack this, we'll see that the Father's heart is for us to sit down and to dine with him. It's not to snack, it's not to grab something to to take away, it's to sit down and it's to dine with him, to be in his presence. And so for the rest of our time together, I want to look at Psalm 23.5. I've got a couple of verses for you if you're taking notes. Okay, the first one of those is this. We need to make room for Jesus. Who are we making room at the table for? First of all, we're making room for Jesus. And that is in those first six words. You prepare a table before me. 
When you prepare a table, if you've got guests that are coming to your house and you prepare a table, it's an intentional act. You deliberately prepare the table. You've got to get the tablecloth out, the cutlery, all those kind of things. So it requires thought, it requires preparation, um, and it requires that desire to create a welcoming space. Anyone here never had guests in their home? All right, hopefully you all know what I'm talking about then. In the same way, making room for Jesus at the table of our lives has to be a deliberate choice. It has to be a conscious choice. It has to be something that we are choosing to do. See, God is relational. God is preparing a table for you and for me because he wants to have time with us. It's not about what we can get. It's not about what we can do. It's about our loving Heavenly Father saying, I want you to come and sit at the table. I've prepared it for you. Come and sit down and dine with me. That is him. That is his relational. He wants us to know him and he wants to know more of who we are. It's not a quick snack. It's not going through the Macca's drive-through, grabbing a burger, eating that in the car while you're on the drive home. You get home and you realize you've dropped half of the sauce all over your clothes and you think, I probably should have waited till I got home and sat at the table. It's nothing like that. It's not like, you know, when you can't be bothered cooking, so you just get takeaway. I had that the other night. I was like, oh, yeah, I just don't think I can be bothered cooking, so let's just grab some takeaway. It's nothing like that. The heart of the Father is so much deeper. He wants us to stop. He wants us to put everything else aside, and he wants us to sit at the table and recline with him, just as Jesus did with the disciples. He wants us to enjoy each other's company. I love the message translation when it speaks of this. It says, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. I don't think, I had to think about this during the week, I don't know that I've ever sat down for a six-course dinner. I don't know that our family could make it through a six-course dinner, to be honest. I just don't know. But my thought process is it takes quite some time for six courses to come out to the table. So it's not like it's a really quick meal. You've got to sit down in the the first course, whatever that is. Imagine it's maybe a bread or a soup or something like that. It comes out and then you sit down and you finish that. And then the second course comes out. So you've got to wait for the second course to be cooked. And then the third course and the fourth course. And then I imagine by the time you get to the sixth course, like two or three hours have gone past. Maybe more. Brian, you're a chef. You might be able able to tell me. But So in my head, I'm thinking people are just sitting at the table. They are talking. They are eating. They are enjoying each other's company during a six course meal. But the image I believe that David is creating is that which says the Lord wants us to sit down and enjoy a six course meal with him. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to be dining with him every day to be putting him at the place where this is not just about eating for eating's sake. It's not about filling a gap in your stomach. This is about us sitting in his presence, enjoying his company. Because when all we do is we engage with the Lord because it's something that we think we should do or it's something that and we want to cross off our list for the day, that simply becomes a transaction. We go, yep, read my Bible, tick. 
Yep, said a few prayers, tick. That's just a transaction, and God is not transactional. He's relational. And so what he wants us to do is he wants a deeply, deeply personal connection with every single person as we come and sit at the table that he has prepared. I love how it says, the table you have prepared before me. It speaks of something very personal. It's an individual connection. He's inviting you to come and sit at the table that he has prepared. It speaks of a personal connection that he wants with every single one of us. He wants us to recline at the table, to dine with him. It doesn't matter whatever's going on in our world. And I love the next part, that he prepares that table in the presence of our enemies. We'll get to that in just a moment. As we sit at a physical table at home, if we sit down for a meal or a feast, that needs to be a deliberate act. So too does making room at the table and dining at the table as we invite Jesus to do that. Life is just about those choices that we make. So let me ask you again from the 168 hours that you have in this coming week, how many of those will you spend reclining and dining at the table with God? How many of those will you spend grabbing a quick snack so that you can get on to whatever else that you have planned? Can you prioritize Jesus and make room for him at your table? Is that a priority for you this week? Will you seek first the kingdom of God? And everything else God will take care of in your life and in my life. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? To think about that. If you're going away, it's something you need to think about. If you're wrangling six kids at home by yourself, it's something you need to think about. If you've got a busy season at work, it's something you need to think about. I'm not saying it's easy, and this message is me preaching to me as much as it is sharing with you, because this is a constant battle in my life with all the pieces that I am juggling. But I think it's so very, very important that we make sure that we're making room for Jesus at the table and we're inviting his presence into our lives. And that is all area of our lives, and that is every moment of every day. Do we value that relationship more than anything else? Is Jesus enough? If all you have is Jesus and he is at the table, is that enough for you? Because when we do that, do you know what I love? We experience the transformative power of God. We experience an intimate fellowship. We experience communion with him. All those things that the world is craving for and they're looking in so many places. We have the opportunity. We have the privilege to sit at the table and dine with the King of Kings. I don't know if there's any monarchists or republicans with us today, but how would you react, say, if King Charles called you up? Said, hey, Lynn, got a seat for you at the table next week. Would you like to come and dine with me and Will and Kate and the grandkids? Like, how would that make us feel? Naturally speaking, how would that make us feel? 
a lot of people would be super excited. They'd be booking their plane ticket and heading over to England to be at the palace for that meal next week. I don't know about Lynn. Probably should have asked her before I met, used her as an example. Sorry, Lynn. But we have that opportunity every day to sit with the king, to sit at the table and dine with him. Are we taking the opportunity? Because I think too often we're a little bit like Martha. If you weren't here, as, as Jackie shared the last couple of weeks um, about Lazarus, I encourage you to jump online um, and hear that. But I think too often we're like Martha. Too often we want to be busy doing things for the Lord. We want to be busy serving him. And sometimes they're very good things. I'm not saying they're not. But they can't be the priority. They can't be the first thing. They can't make us too busy that we don't have time to take a seat at the table. And sometimes that's what happens. We're so busy, like Martha, we're so busy doing things for God that we actually don't get to dine with him. That's where that snacking comes in. We need to embrace, we need to celebrate the posture that Mary took. What did Mary do? Sure, she had as many things to do as Martha had to do. But what would she do? She just put all of that aside. She was at the feet of Jesus and she was just in his presence. That's all she did. She made space to be in his presence. She made space to celebrate what was the most important thing and that was to be with Jesus. Mary knew that the table was a place of communion it was a place to find nourishment. It was a place to find fulfillment when she was in his presence. And so I ponder for you, I ponder for me, is that something that we can say of ourselves as well? All right, so practically speaking, how do we do that? Practically speaking, how do we make room at the table for Jesus? I don't have anything to share with you that is going to be a major revelation because they are not difficult things to do if you have been in church or a follower of Jesus for any length of time. These are fairly basic things, but I will remind you of them. Prayer. Not a quick, hey God, thanks for the day. Bless me and my family. Keep us safe. Amen. That's a snacking prayer. I'm not saying God doesn't hear that. I'm not saying he doesn't honour that. And I'm not saying there's not moments when that's what we do. But in terms of regular prayer, we're talking about sitting in his presence at the table and having a deep conversation. And sometimes that's us speaking and sometimes that's us sitting there being quiet and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. It's not a snack. It's a six-course prayer meal that we do. Bible reading, it's the same. I've had a season where things have been really busy and so I, I get up and I've got an app on my phone and on the app it has the verse of the day and so I want to make sure I'm reading my Bible every day. So I read the verse of the day as I get up in the morning and then I go, yep, done that, read my Bible and then I don't go back to it for the rest of the day. What have I done? I've just grabbed a packet of spiritual chips and had a bit of a snack. Has it given me any nourishment? Has it helped me to be deeper in my relationship with Jesus? No, but it's helped me to cross that, tick that box that says, yeah, I read my Bible today. 
Worship is another one. These aren't things that are, as I said, they're not deep revelations, but how we think about them, how we approach them, how we prioritise them will depend on whether they are a snack or whether they are a deep dining experience with the Lord. Are we just reading a rush Bible verse? Is it a short prayer or are we reclining in his presence, enjoying his company, worshipping because he is worthy of our worship and celebrating the fact that we get to be in the presence of the king? Something else for you, making room at the table for Jesus. It actually means allowing him to lead and direct our lives. It means full and complete surrender of every moment. It means aligning our will with his will, not the other way around. Often it's like, God, I want to do this. Can you make that happen? That's us trying to align the will of God with, with our will. It's the other way around. It's aligning our will with his will. It's walking the path that God has laid before you, even though it might be uncertain, even though you might not know the next step that you need to take. It's about saying, God, you are in control. I walk the path that you have laid before me. I will take the next step when you tell me to take the next step because I know that you are good and you trust him. And that only comes from that place of relationship. It only comes from when we've reclined at the table, when we've sat there with him and we've had that six-course meal with him. Trust his guidance even when the path ahead is uncertain. Point number two that I'm not going to get anywhere near getting through, but I might touch on it and we'll continue next time, is this. We make room at the table for Jesus and then we make room at the table for others. And the second part of Psalm 25, Psalm 23 verse 5, it says, in the presence of my enemies. As I thought about this, and I read this verse, these words perplexed me for a while. And so my God conversations were, why is the table in the presence of my enemies? Why isn't it in the presence of my friends or my families? Why isn't it on the beach or in the rainforest? Or in the park? Why is the table in the presence of my enemies? It's easy to make room at the table. It's easy to dine with Jesus when we're in a fantastic place, when we're on top of the mountain. That's easy. Everyone can do that because things are going great. But here, he deliberately prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And as I kept asking that question, I kept asking and asking and asking. He revealed that to me. And I'll share more on that next time. But the psalmist here actually puts this into a context of a battle. So I'm very thankful that I've never been to war, but as I understand it, when soldiers are on the battlefield, they are given a, a ration pack. So it's a pack of rations. So here's... An example on the screen from the Norwegian army. If you are a soldier in the Norwegian army, this is what you are given to eat. But this is not a fine dining six-course meal that they are given. This is a snack 
of sustenance to keep them going in the battle. And so as, as I, I looked at this, as I, I thought about it, I thought, well, the soldiers are just grabbing whatever they can and then they're getting back to battle. And yet the context that we actually read when it comes to this table that is prepared, it's a bit more like Christmas. The fine, fine crockery is laid out, the knives and the forks, and I don't know what you have for Christmas meal, seafood, roast chicken, salad, whatever it might actually be. But it's an ordinarily peaceful occasion, even though the enemies are all around the table that is prepared in the presence of our enemies, there is no sign, there is no thought of confusion, disturbance, even though the enemy is at the door, God prepares that table for us. And I think it's such a great picture of the heart of God for you and for me, that we can be in perfect peace no matter is what, what is going on around us. The enemy might be knocking at the door, but we can be dining with God in perfect peace because we have surrendered everything to him and he is in control of every single moment of our lives. And that comes out of the relationship that we have with him. Who's hungry this morning? Who's ready for a snack? Maybe you're ready for a six-course meal. My hope as I get nowhere near finishing my message, my hope is that from today, it will help you to think about how you are in relationship with Jesus. Is it more of a snacking relationship where you just, you know, grab a quick bite to eat and then you continue about your day? Or is it the kind of relationship where you can sit down and where you can dine with him, you can recline at the table, you can be in his presence, you can celebrate the fact that the King of Kings has asked you to the table, that he has set aside a seat just for you. That is how much he loves you. That is how special and precious you are to him. That he says, I will sit down and I will um, invite you to the table. My prayer as we finish this morning is that our tables can become places where our enemies actually become our friends as we invite them to our tables. We'll talk more about that next time. A snack can be really, really good, but it's not a replacement for a meal. A snack comes on top of a meal. So I want to encourage you this week in your 168 hours that you have to prioritise Jesus, to make room at your table and to sit down and dine with him. Just make it a three-course meal to start with. It doesn't have to be six courses. Just start with three or two, maybe just one. But change your mindset, change your thinking, change your heart from a snacking relationship to a dining, a deep personal dining experience with him. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.